Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a minute since the last episode and a lot has happened since then. This time I debrief with John about how strength and depth went. We talk about the last chance semi-finals, drug testing and what's next for the four athletes he has going to the games. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Welcome back, John Singleton, to the Europe is Coming podcast. We are sitting in this lovely air-conditioned room. It is the week after Strength and Depth. Welcome back to Mallorca. Thank you. I believe this is the first one we've done in person. For a while. Yeah. Yeah. I did yell at you quite a lot when we were in London. Yeah. There is that to come. <laughs> How are you feeling? I feel good. You know, like, we had... Um, it's a strange one. Like, we, we had... Like amazing results, and uh, and you know it's, it's very quickly back to work. <laughs> yeah. You know it's uh, we've got a quick turnaround to the games this year. Gabby obviously qualified quite a while ago now, over a month ago, and the uh, Sola Jacqueline just qualified. So so you know there's really no like sitting back and and resting. There's as no such. counting your medals. Yeah, we. I really try, the more I get into the sport, the more to appreciate the moment. And, and I think it's really important to reflect back because it can get so easy just to be like, hey, next thing, next thing, next thing. Mm. At the same time, you know, the athlete's like, okay, you know, we need to get training for the game. So you can't sit back too far and be like, hey, well, you know, let's <laughs> have a couple of weeks off. I think everyone will look forward to August um, and have like a proper break in August. So it's, it's the hardest things actually, you know. Also, my personality is, is stopping and taking time to relax, and something that we've really been trying to force the athletes to do at certain stages. Because, you know, if you look at bigger picture, you can go like, well, okay. So let's say we go open quarterfinals, semi-finals, games, and then you've got like Rome, Dubai, Wadapalooza, and all of a sudden you're a year's gone, mm. and there's been no real rest, like. Maybe a few weeks physical, but not that like fully mental break that I think uh, an athlete needs. Everybody needs. Everyone needs. Including me and you. Yeah, 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 <laughs> this is true. So let's talk about strength and depth. I mean, it was an extraordinary three-day competition. It was really exciting to be there. From my point of view, it was, it was uh, I felt hugely proud to know some mm. of the people on the floor. Um, what was it like for you? Um... I suppose I started calling it like the tunnel you know you just stay in the tunnel and all you think about is like really what needs to be done the workouts and, and I try not to think about anything else and when I say it, it's like hey what needs to be done in order to let the athletes perform as best as possible you know um, and so everything gets very focused even until like the last workout and then after the last workout it's like oh, okay you kind of come out of the tunnel and uh Luckily for us, this time it was it was really positive, you know, and and so it, it was you know it's obviously a great experience to see your athletes doing so well. Like we obviously had like Jacqueline winning, Sola punching her tickets, and then we also had uh, Christoph who did amazingly well. You know, for Christoph to enter into the top ten, at his first kind of semi-finals was regionals is um, is also pretty huge and taking an event win. So. 
So it was really nice to, uh, to see all around. The, um, no, you're not just the coach, Jacqueline, you're also her partner. Mm. But over the period of the competition, do you leave the boyfriend job at home or do you, and you just focus on being a coach? Yes. Yeah, so we've maybe got better over the years. We actually had uh, separate rooms as well. It's just like, you know, I need to be there as a coach. And um, so that's, we, we very much separate and it makes it easier to uh, to do that, basically. Mm-hmm. So we have just a very clear distinction of like, okay, you know, like, she go back to the room and rest. I can, you know, either focus on the other athletes or prep something that needs to be prepped. And, uh, and so it makes life... Um, a lot easier to fall into the kind of the coach-athlete relationship. From Jack's perspective, from last year to this year, her, mm. she's improved, in, in, to my mind, enormously. What would you attribute that to? Um, honestly, like, her consistency and hard work. You know, we've... You kind of think you're all in, <laughs> and then when you do a bit more, you realise you're not all in. Mm. You know, like... Last year, she was horse riding on Thursdays because she loved horse riding. Yeah. But, you know, it's only a few hours a week, but it meant that either it either took away from a possible active recovery session that was more valuable or it took away from rest. And so, you know, you just go to this extreme level where it's like, okay, basically it is like eat, sleep, train. And when you're not doing either of those things, you're just recovering because that's how you can optimize your training. So, you know, even to that point where once a week she used to like to go horse riding for a few hours, so we kind of removed that. You know, she's also started working um, more on kind of the, the psychology side of things, how to, to approach workouts. She also focused more on her nutrition. We've uh, reduced her work so there are lots of little things that kind of I think all contribute to a small step forward which at the top end is significant mm. you know it's like you're really looking for small percentage gains you know it's like if I wanted to improve you know <laughs> I, the, the, you know, I've got a lot of things that I can improve on quite easily in order to get like a huge percentage gain whereas when you're at that top end you don't actually have that many things to play with. And so trying to find the extra percentage is actually a lot harder. Well, it's obviously paid off. Yeah, exactly. She won convincingly. Yeah, it was a very, I think a very like convincing win as well. That's a nice thing. It wasn't like a fight at the last end or people weren't coming in between. It was mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like, I suppose there were three, like her, Emma and Thury, who were kind of in at the top. And... Uh, Especially between her and Emma, it was like uh, a good battle, really. They kept swapping the lead over the first two games. Yeah, exactly. Then she pulled, Jack pulled away. Yes. And took and took it. I was, I'm, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how she performs at the games because I I remember last year thinking when she was at the games, like really worrying that she wasn't going to make the cut. Yes. Yeah. I don't have that fear. Yeah, you know, honestly, the thing with the games is, you know, for better or for worse, I always, it makes my life more stressful, but I never take anything for granted. Mm. So it's like, you know, like slate white clean, you know, obviously it'd be nicer for, say, Jacqueline if she could carry on the first and it meant something. But now it doesn't mean anything. Everything's wiped clean. 
And although there's like the time to appreciate the victory, which is like I think so crucial in the in the big picture. Yeah. There's also this like, actually, we now have the games to focus on, and we have to kind of prepare for that. So it's balancing those two of like moving forward and appreciating what's uh, what's happened. How does um, how does Sola feel? I you know I, I think Sola is just incredibly happy. This is the Honestly, I think that for a CrossFit athlete, one of the best feelings in the world is qualifying for your first CrossFit Games. And I've been lucky enough to have that, like, share that experience with actually quite a lot of athletes. Mm. And, um, you know, it just makes me smile. I mean, from back in the day, like, having Sarah qualify for her first and Adrian, Lucas, you know, there's moments where... Well, it's just like down to seconds and you don't know what's going to happen. Moritz going through in the final and now, and now Sola here. It's like, it's, uh, it's an incredibly special moment because a lot of athletes train for the games. You know, they don't train to be a certain number at the games. Mm. They train to be at the games. And so punching your ticket and kind of getting your pass to that, that thing is... It's better than, you know, Sola's been doing this like six, seven years. And even from the beginning, she'd have gone, oh, I want to compete at the Games. So, you know, a life goal. And to be able to help achieve that, I think, is something uh, very special. So she's a student as well. Exactly. Is she, is she still studying or has she put that on hold? Yeah, so she's actually doing chiropractic in the UK. And it's a very similar degree to what I did. Mm. And so it's quite intense. Uh, and that's probably her biggest battle at the moment, you know, like, because she obviously has uh, studies, has to go back to the UK, which take away from training. So she plays, you know, that's kind of her battle. Do I carry on studying? Do I stop studying? Do I go all in? And, and it's a very hard question to answer because you don't know what's going to happen. And, and I kind of saying go all in. Well, is it worth the risk or is it not? So she's she'll be battling with that kind of decision a little and following on with um, from strength and depth, what's Christoph's headline now? Is he preparing for other competitions or is he taking a break? Yeah, so we're speaking at the moment. He's been back and forth on French. Yeah. I think after today he's going to do it. The reason being as well that he's coming over to the States with us. Um, and therefore that kind of wipes out like a month basically of, of competing or doing those things so mm. French is probably the last big competition um, before heading over to the States so it's a quick turnaround in some ways it's nice because it's like okay you've, you've done all the hard prep for the competition before and you're just kind of riding the prep um, to the next competition uh, so I think you'll be excited to do French it's a great competition um, we've been there for, for many years uh, Jack has been the back-to-back winner of, yeah. of the French so it's sad for her not to be going back but you know we had to take a, a sensible decision and and she'd love to have competed there but it being so close to the games it's just we, we didn't want to take the risk it's a bit of a, a bold scheduling move isn't it to pop, pop it in is it yeah. just before the last chance qualifiers or just after the week before so yes, you're right. It, in theory, it wipes off um, like 
guys and girls was eight, 16. So like 32 athletes in theory, the best 32 mm. athletes in Europe because of the, the timing. But in their defense, it's also hard because you go, well, when else would we have put it? They probably want it in summer so they can do a lot of outdoor stuff. They've got like the running thing. Do you just combine it with the games? Is so scheduling is a hard one. Because um, the next big one in Europe after that is Madrid, yes. and that's coming up really quick. That's at the beginning of September. I was yeah. like, "Hang on a minute! I just haven't got time to turn around." It's uh, it's so quick. Well, you know, where do you put your competition? You know, you can't really go in January because then you compete with Waterpalooza. You can't really go Dubai. Uh, December because then you compete with Dubai. November it's Rogue. Yeah, November. Yeah, well, yeah. Basically, end of October, beginning of November is Rogue. So you know, if you want the elite athletes there, which you know, when you're putting like Madrid's putting 30k prize money, they want the elites. Yeah, they do. When do you schedule? You know, it's a good problem to have for for the athletes because it means mm. there's a lot of choice. But as an event organizer, finding the right date is is obviously extremely important. But actually. Um, a challenge. Yeah. Um, on the last day uh, at Strength and Depth, when, when Jack had just been crowned the winner, I managed to catch like a couple of minutes before she came off the floor. Literally, she was being escorted from the floor by um, a CrossFit official straight to the toilet. Yeah, exactly. And I, I've never been, I've never kind of witnessed that before. It was really interesting. I, and there was so, um, it was, it kind of, it was kind of wonderful to see it happening as well because obviously she just won it, so therefore she was going to get drug tested. But what's the what's the procedure from from the athlete's point of view? What do they do yeah. apart from obviously pee on demand? So uh, all so all CrossFit competitions, this is kind of what uh, what happens. So typically, you finish the event, they announce like the winners, everything's done, and then the athletes, as soon as they've been allocated, so this year they tested first to seventh. Uh, male, female, and then some select individuals from teams. And basically, once you've finished that event, you have someone with you all the time. And mm. they, they can't leave your site. You know, you can't even go to the toilet without them because they need to be watching what you're doing. And depending on the test, so they either do blood and urine, um, or they just do one or the other. Typically, they do urine, I believe, because it's cheaper. Um, this year, Jacqueline had blood and urine. Uh, I think they took the blood and urine of the winners. Gabby, for example, is urine. Moritz, urine. Solid urine. Um, but <laughs> sometimes you can end up waiting four hours. Really? Yeah. Just because some athletes get super nervous. They and can't pee. And can't pee. It's like drinking like all the freaking water in the world and they just won't pee. And camels yeah and honestly sometimes it can be like three four hours so you know you finish the event at six or whatever and it gets to like you know nine ten o'clock and you're still waiting to and everybody uh, else is on the pizza and beer yeah exactly so you know that can happen um I've had it happen a few times. Mundy's notoriously bad at peeing. So, you know, <laughs> he, I remember waiting, I think, 16, whenever it was, for a long time, Mundy. And um, Gabby actually took quite a long time in Lowlands. Uh, you know, so it depends, <laughs> depends on the athlete. But, but, yeah, you have to take the, uh, you know, you've got to factor it into consideration if you're, if you're tested. Sometimes if you can't pee quickly, it can take a long time. And the, uh, the results are starting to come back. There's uh, one um, team has been 
disqualified yes. for a banned substance. But we, it's quite a worrying substance because it's been, the guy says that he's only been eating um, protein bars, drinking creatine and uh, taking some sort of yeah. workout, pre-workout. And that's very worrying that there might be something in anything like that. Yeah, so it's the contaminated substance. Um argument I suppose so you end up in this this place where okay so you obviously know he has something in the system he's saying that there's nothing it seems like there's only trace amounts so it's kind of inconsistent with uh, contaminated substance and we also know there's fairly good evidence that like over-the-counter supplements um, contain banned substances and it is very scary to think about, you know, like if he says it's true that he was taking, say, creatine, just eating protein bars and whatever, drinking like a, a knocko or a, like energy drink, that you can get something that's contaminated in something simple as that. Mm. Usually when you think about contaminated substances, you go to like the kind of crazy pre-workouts or you go for some kind of protein. So it does make you very nervous um, about what's out there in uh, in supplements, and this is why it's so important. Like if the athletes are taking protein or whatever it may be, kind of powdered protein, that it's it's batch tested because you know it's a horrible uh, thing for them to go to, especially in a team as well. And yeah. like you've you just let down not only yourself, but you've let down the whole side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine it must feel horrendous, yeah. and also. He didn't necessarily do anything in his eyes wrong, you mm. know. It's just he wasn't, you know, it, it's very unfortunate. And but it also, it's hard for like the governing body or the testers. Like, where do you draw the line? Of because then obviously everyone could say, oh, well, it was a contaminated substance, yeah. so you have to draw the line somewhere. But it's also kind of bad of the supplement companies, you know, like not to to have this stuff added or get cross contamination from other things they're they're producing. Um, I mean, I wonder what it is, and what, what I mean, like the, the fact is that there won't be, um, it won't be benefiting this chap in any way. Well, that's yeah. that was the argument that actually it's so traced that there's no benefit. Yeah, that's the the tricky thing. You know, I, obviously they can have a fairly good idea of the quantities that are in the system and and how that could affect performance. And from the post he's put up, it's seemingly like there was no kind of no noted performance benefit and saying, so well, you know, this mm. is kind of harsh, but... I, it's, um, like, CrossFit is... The rulings that have come out have been pretty unequivocal. <laughs> like, it's this and nobody's... No, you can't argue with it. And it's always been like that, hasn't it? Well, I, I think really they, they do have process. an appeal process for drug testing because they use an external body. Mm. Um, so... There are certain things in CrossFit that you're right that, you know, there's no, like, come back and say, and I think they're trying to, you know, I hope they're trying to improve that kind of line of communication things. But, um, yeah, there's like an appeal process that, that someone can go through for the drug test. And they kind of, because like, they collect two samples, they test the B sample, etc. And But even so, this team isn't going to the CrossFit Games. Yes, so I presume they tested both samples, same thing happened. And, uh, and yet the, they've been kicked out of the games. So we have uh, less than 50 days until yes. you go to America. What are you doing? Did you get a little break in between? Yeah, sort of. I mean, I, I had like three days. Um, we actually went to 
um, see uh, Craig and Jazz from Hustle Made. What was that like? Uh, it was very nice. It was nice for um, uh, for Jacqueline as well to, to go hang out. Like, you know, they're, they're super chill, so it's nice for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it was my mum's birthday on the Wednesday, so I went to my mum's birthday. Then I flew back, flew back here on Thursday. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, it, it was... Uh, it was nice to have a change of scenery, but it wasn't necessarily super rested. And the four weeks of semis were were quite intense. Yeah. Um, but you know, the focus has always been on the games, so we're kind of prepared for that for this next period and, and what we're going to be doing. Uh, the training, you know, the training doesn't change hugely, but there are subtle changes that we start to make. You know, like. We put in workouts that we wouldn't have done before, stuff that is a bit more testing for the athletes in different time domains or... Um, for example, what would you be doing? You know, like we, the time domain may just go up to like uh, a few hours long, whereas you don't need to do that in um, mm. in other trainings. We'll also include more swimming. The girls have been swimming quite a lot already um, with Lorenzo, but we're going to combine the swimming make it more gamesy if you will uh, stand up paddles out that sort of thing yeah this gets hard what water you know what water sport do you choose because you've kind of had a kayak you've had this like uh, lie down paddle thing you've had I don't think they've had stand up paddle yet well something that um, uh, Boz said on the uh, press conference made me wonder what he's going to sling in there because he did basically say that they're going to do a sp- some sort of sport that nobody's done before welcome to the guessing game mm. you know like we it's, I mean, it's unless very I misheard him but it's very hard to uh, to program everything that an athlete might be doing you need some form of adaptability you know it's like never seen kayak at the games where's kayak you know you could have been practicing stand-up paddle you could have been practicing like the kneeling paddle you could have been doing all those things but they end up kayaking well you know they might not use anything you might not have any paddle or mm. floating device on the water you might just have to swim you might not even have to swim you know you might just be doing a road bike a mountain bike or you might go to a velodrome and do some other like velodrome bike you might get a bmx you, you know what i mean there's no you might so like they've had single speed bikes. They've had bikes with gears. They've had bikes with clips. They've had bikes without clips. They've had, you know, bikes on up and down football trip fields. You know, like honestly, the you're not going to cover it. It's, it'd actually be wrong. Well, I feel it would be optimal programming to try to cover everything mm. because otherwise you're just doing so much random things. I mean, where do you think? you would draw the line if you thought that it was something that was dangerous would you actually say we're not doing that <laughs> good luck do you know what I mean though like if it was something like skateboarding or yeah, yeah. I, I, I know or... what you mean it's a very tricky one because who's the person who says yes you know do they get all the points well yeah but what about the athletes um, committee wouldn't they have something to say about it yeah I don't know how there's no I don't necessarily know if there's like uh what would happen in that scenario? Mm. 
you know, I don't think they're going to expose the athletes to something that's like skateboarding or snowboarding or something like that. That's just kind of like very skill-based and dangerous because it wouldn't be a fun spectacle either. I mean, just look a bit stupid. <laughs> All the, you know, there'd probably be, uh, my guess is there's probably like three people who are great on a snow uh, skateboard. Like would win that. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, someone who's good on a board mm. will do exceedingly well. Or an Australian, maybe. Yeah, you know, some, some kind of like, like, just random event. Then the rest is just going to be chaos. So it turns it into this like non-event, basically. You know, riding a horse. Yeah, you know, I mean, they might do something like gun, like shooting or oh, something Oh, that would like be that. interesting. That would be, I mean, that's, Something I would have said Dave Castro would have programmed rather than this year's yeah, yeah. iteration. It's kind of crazy. They had hand, hands out blocks before. As a, they gave them as prizes, didn't exactly, they? Exactly, yeah. Which is kind of funny, Strange. I suppose. Only in America. Mm. But, um, yes, so the unknown and the unknowable is definitely the... You have no clue what they're going to be doing. Um, so we go through. So we kind of prep... You know, hopefully, if if they use a bike, we'll have been on a bike, and therefore there's some adaptability there. You know, you train some cycling then. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of transfer from the cycling that we do to to road bikes. That's that's good. But you know, outdoor running, swimming, stuff we kind of know they're going to be doing more of. They do more, spend more time outside, basically. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of the games events are outside. You know, you obviously have the Coliseum, but you know, especially the first few days, typically are mainly outside. They kind of use the the lake, <coughs> they've had like the cyclocross, they've had the obstacle courses, mm. the football field thing. So a lot of the events have been outside and therefore it's, you know, you will obviously have like the main, the main events inside because the Coliseum is a bit more on. And the weather is comparable to here or cooler? Uh, it's, I, I would say it's more varied. So I've been sitting in Madison freezing I mean like so cold wet Ooh. windy miserable Ooh. and I've also been there like boiling hot not wanting to be in the in the sun so it will fluctuate mm. um, and I don't think it's as you know it's not as predictable uh, like California you're just guaranteed it's going to be hot you know it's like, okay what do you expect in California hot whereas in Madison it's like it's a bit more unpredictable I'd say um, it can be very hot or it can actually be quite stormy. And what's your plan with getting there? I mean, you're, you, said, you said before that you'd normally go to America in advance, but you're actually planning to to go like the week before? or Yeah, so last, last year we went out very early. Well, I've actually been out with varying athletes, like sometimes up to six weeks before. And, you know, we've had some great experiences, like mm. staying in random places and training at cool gyms. So it's been good fun. Um, but it's being said, the athletes have everything they need here. You know, we can open water swim, we can ride bikes, we can flip a pig, we can have every type of sandbag. They eat the food they want. They, you know, they sleep every, in their own bed. They sleep in their own bed. So it's a lot better training routine. And flying to Chicago is not that crazy. It's like, I think, six-hour time difference or something. Something like that. And so we can, we don't need to go over super early for the jet lag. We can finish our training here and then just kind of 
do our final prep over there. And so that's what we've decided to do this year. But you've got a camp coming up, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. So we'll have um, the, we obviously have four guys qualified, which is great. And then all, all those guys kind of have friends. So we invited some of those guys and just have like, uh, do the stuff that's harder to organize by yourself. Mm. You know, like do some of the outdoor stuff or it, do stuff that um, is maybe a bit more of the fun event that's harder to organize by yourself. Like, <laughs> um, you know, like for, you know, it's hard to do like uh, a run cycle um, out in the mountains, you know, because okay. you're lock up your bike, you don't necessarily know the routes. So, we'll kind of organise stuff like that. Um, we'll get use of a swimming pool so we can put some machines and do different workouts there. So that that kind of stuff that's just a bit more annoying by yourself to sort. So like simulations. Exactly, you know, stuff that we've maybe seen before. Um, or combinations of that. Uh, you know, we won't just be in the gym all day. You said you've got four athletes that have qualified for the Games, mm. which must make the programme the most successful training programme, at least in Europe. Yes. Yeah, it's something I'm really proud of. You should be. Well yeah, done. you know, it's um, it's like no easy feat. And we have a, we have a like great team. Mm. And I think that plays testament to that team. You know, we've we've worked extremely hard over a lot of years and and you know it's a really nice feeling to uh, to have reached that stage um, because it's not easy to do you know like there's a lot of there's a lot of um, good people out there who are working hard and, and there'll be testament to that it's actually a really hard thing to achieve so I, I'm extremely proud of that um, and you know we it's not like we're looking to slow down or stop. We're wanting to build the team. So this is the first year where Sol is actually working under uh, a guy called Chris. One of our, you met Chris. Coach, yeah, Coach Chris. lovely Chris. Yeah, very nice guy. Um, solid as a rock. Yeah, solid as a rock. He's a German coach. And, uh, and so he's kind of part of the team. So it's a nice experience for me as well to... You know, indirectly be helping Sola get to the games mm. through Chris. It's like a different stage of my coaching career. Um, Jack had it last year with a girl called Anina. Oh yeah. Through the the online, mm. and so it makes me happy that you know that I can help Chris to help Sola come through. You know, Sola's also been training here quite a lot, so we we also have like you know, I see Sola most days because she's here training. Um, but still, she's kind of had Chris there, uh, there for guidance, and uh, and so that's a really nice thing to have done. Actually, one of our other coaches, Don, who's also German, <laughs> um, he he almost had a guy qualify from Asia called Arthur. Arthur. Yeah, but he's gone into the last chance. Qualifying, he's in the last chance, exactly. So, so that's another nice experience, um, and obviously, like. It doesn't make a difference when you know you see the athletes day in day out, and also there's we're really trying to develop like this like strong hub in Europe to mm. really grow. So you know we'll have like, more athletes will come, and hope we continue. That. We we both uh, spoke to Justin Berg. Yes, we did. Day. Yeah. What uh, I was a little bit nervous when I spoke to him. Actually, I got all kind of like I was overcome. 
for a second because um, it was quite a big deal for me. But you had quite a long chat with him, didn't you? Yes, I've, I've spoken to Justin over the years, um, and he's always been very, very like uh, relaxed. It's always been nice conversations, mm. and, and I think because they they want to try to do more in Europe, and so obviously you know. With everything that we do in Europe, they kind of wanted to, to talk about that and what could be done. So it was actually the first time like I've had a open conversation with kind of CrossFit on thoughts, feelings of what could of what could be done and what could go. What, were there any home truths? Yeah, maybe. I, I think <laughs> I think this is where the cultural differences come in. You know, like if uh, I think. You know, if someone asks my opinion, I give my opinion. Mm. <laughs> you know, for better or for worse. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I said what I thought could be could be done, what could be improved. I also have a very, um, you know, small overview. Like Justin knows exactly where the company is, exactly where who's involved in the sport, why decisions are made. Whereas I don't have exposure to that kind of level of decision making. Mm. Yeah. So my opinions are based on what I see and what he sees has a lot more of an overview. So there might be a decision that makes sense um, from a higher perspective, but because I only have a small perspective, I don't understand that decision that's being made. Um, this being said, you know, there were certain things that I think um, could be done to move forward, like we talked about before, like communication and, mm. and clarity of, of, uh, of direction. There's some things that would be interesting to see if they can implement for the uh, for the sport moving forward, uh, and I think some things that are extremely exciting. You know, I, I think the sport, I think the ideas that Justin was talking about could be really exciting for the sport. I got the feeling that CrossFit might be looking to not necessarily move the games abroad, but do other competitions abroad. yes I, I, that I, was my that was the vibe I yeah got I don't have the feeling that there's been talk of the games coming to Europe mm. I, I didn't ask uh, I asked that, him directly yeah he said no yeah <laughs> that was the the impression that uh, that I had as well and yeah. I I can see exactly what you said they kind of have whatever, a different competition in Europe but I, you know I think it's hard to move the games from the states currently absolutely you know like the olympics is so big take a different city and, and everyone in the world will participate but obviously it would be great for us if they move the games to europe so so cool yeah it would be incredible and but you know the same competition is not going to have the same impact as the mm. games but um yes yeah, so, yeah so i don't think we're going to see the games in europe in the current future mm. But definitely, I think he was—he didn't—he didn't come out and say it exactly, but he was certainly hinting that other things are coming. Yeah, and I think they will in Europe. You know, like they, Europe's done so well with affiliation growth, participation in the Open, sports performance. So, mm. like, you know, you can't look—you can't ignore the region anymore because it's just so uh, dominant in some ways of. Of CrossFit, you know. He did seem really surprised, actually, by the the amount of people that were at the competition well, as well. This is one of the this is one of the things that we talked about. Is that I think that so I don't necessarily think 
that the model moving forward should have to be like a hybrid of having a community event and an elite event. Really, the concept is that the competition can kind of generate revenue with the community event in order to fund putting on the elite event because there's less participants, it requires the same amount of work, etc., and therefore mm. you can't get the same revenue. But if you look at Europe, you know, when you took it in Berlin, when you took it in Madrid, you only had the male, female and teams and you had so many spectators there. And so I think the question is, like, how do we, how do we pursue that and, and kind of make the sport grow from that end and why has that been working rather than looking at the hybrid of the community and the league because the community events are awesome. And I, you know, I think that they actually could be even better if they don't necessarily have the elite event happening at the same time. Yeah, they're always going to come off second. Yeah, the spectators. I mean, like, I barely saw any of the community stuff. No, yeah, busy running around looking at the elites. Yeah, and and so I I actually think that you know it's a personal opinion. I think this is quite a divided opinion, but I don't think that the events need each other as such like community event I've been to community events I've competed at community events they're just epic and they mm. didn't have any um, elite division or anything like that um, and I've also been to competitions where it was just elites and that was also really good and so I think that they they can perfectly survive separately and it kind of makes life easier in some ways by I think it makes it easier to grow the sport because then you're going, okay, what works here? And, and that's what we really need. If for the sport to grow, it's like, okay, the elites kind of have to lead the way in viewership and spectators and all these things. And how do we make this exciting? Because if it's not exciting, just watching the elites and only coming to watch the elites, then I think that there's something missing in the sport for it to grow. And, we, and I think it's a bit, it's using the hybrid model only because you want to kind of generate spectators and revenue it's kind of like, well, what's wrong? It's, I feel like it's not asking the question of what's wrong. Mm. I feel it's going, it's kind of putting a plaster on the, on the problem. And honestly, in Europe, I don't think there is a problem. But no. I think in the States, there were, the numbers coming in weren't that high. Oh, okay. That's the, you know, that's the reason. There weren't many spectators in some of the US venues. Hmm. Whereas, you know, actually, the crowd at strength and depth was incredible. Amazing. It was like when they were going for it, when they were really, really cheering. It actually sounded like it was raining, yeah. didn't it? It was so, so like, it was so high-pitched and, oh, oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, because, you know, I'm, I'm often in the warm-up, so I don't get to, to go out there. But, you know, even from the warm-up, you're like, you can really hear the roar. Mm. And you're like, okay, you're kind of, you're excited for the athletes because you know it's going to be epic when they step out. So, yeah. and I kind of feel like that's what we should be, you know, obviously the, the fans loved it. I mean, there were some super tight races, really cool stuff going on so it's like I, I honestly think that that's just a cool event to have you know I, I knew people that travelled in my, my mum even came to travel in to, to see to watch the final day did she? yeah oh. uh, you know was she sitting in the Norwegian department? yeah I think she was I think she was dotted all over asking if they knew John <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I met Ellie Simmons um, Elliot Simmons' mother okay, day nice. one. she was one of the um 
she was like uh, one of the volunteers making the marshals, making oh, sure people really? weren't standing at, at, right on the front of the oh, really? of the barrier. And she, came, she, I was walking around with a microphone and a camera, and um, she just said, "It's my boy next. It's my boy next." And then first of all, I thought she meant um, like it's somebody that I'm a fan of. And then I realised she was talking about her son. And she said, I, "And I have to take my, I have to like uh, take my own medicine now. I can't stand by the the gate. I have to keep moving." And she was walking backwards and forwards whilst he was competing. Yeah. And it was really exciting to see her. She's not a lovely woman. And um, yeah, I think he he didn't do too badly on day one. He kind of had a bad. He didn't have yeah. a great weekend in the end, but yeah, it's sad. He, you know, his he has an injury. He says. Yeah, I saw that it's hurt his back. But it, you know it's it's tough it's tough to get through you know like there's lots of good names you know now Catherine Sarah Mundy Luca like, is Mundy going to go for the last chance qualifier I don't uh, I, I said competing in French no. oh right um, so he's going to be fit enough yeah he's going to be recovered honestly enough? I think it just depends the, the thing is like at that level of the last chance is like the, the athletes are kind of probably going to I guess they're going to look at the workouts and know if they've got a shot okay. And so you're going to know the other field. You're going to know what you're good at and what they're good at. And you're going to have a pretty good idea. Um, because we've all just seen them compete within the last month anyway. So you know kind of where they're at, what numbers they can hit. And you'll then have a good guess of like, okay, this workout really suits me or it doesn't. Uh, and, and so I, I presume that if the workouts suit him, I haven't spoken to him about mm. this, but... Um, but my guess would be if the workouts suit, then you've got to give it a go. Yeah. Um, if the workouts don't suit, then well, maybe you won't you won't put as much effort in. Have you got any feelings about who might go through? I mean, it's impossible to say until you know the workouts, I suppose. Yeah, the workouts are a big factor. You know, if they're like high skill or simple, uh, that'll make a difference. But, you know, you've obviously got like, I mean, the females, you've got like Jamie, Sarah and Catherine who are like obviously like perennial games or like you know been to the games multiple times and then you have the guys you've got like someone like Yone in there you've now got uh, Mundi Luca you know so it's very it's tough and, and that's that's just uh, from well in essence from Europe mm. okay Jamie's was in the U- uh, Australia but you know that's just Europe yeah <laughs> so it's gonna be freaking tough you know like if you pick those names you can easily pick three guys and three girls from Europe who I wouldn't be surprised if they were there. Mm. And that's just two competitions out of ten. Brutal. Yeah. And exciting. I yeah, can't yeah. wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thanks very much, John. Of course. Um, enjoy the sunshine. And uh, I'll speak to you soon. Yes. Thanks, John. Next up on the podcast, I have a Strength in Depth special, including an interview with Justin Berg, Andre Houdet, and Jacqueline Dahlstrom. So please like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends. It all helps. Until next time, thanks for listening, and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.